Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program, everybody. Man, have we got a great show for you. Holy cow. Mm. Emotions. It's the tweed jacket. It's the tweed. I'm wearing my tweed. <laughs> Anytime the good doctor wears his tweed, you know you, it's going to be a good show. Yeah, but if you're going to if you're gonna do college classes, you got to put some elbow patches. I will. I haven't earned the elbow patch yet. Okay. Uh, it's like a scout. It's like a, I have to wait to the next Don't court of honor. Don't you have a PhD? I do, but it's like a court of honor. You have to first become an eagle, then you've got to get all the other. Then you have to fly? Yeah. Okay. Something like that. Hey, welcome to the program, folks. Today, got a great subject here. Uh, understanding emotions. Have you ever just seen somebody frustrated, angry, crying, upset, and not understood why? And you just want to say, pipe up, kid. It's called my wife. <gasps> did you hear what Sean just said, James? I did. May he rest in peace. Yeah. That's why I whispered. He Sean's is, last show, everybody. Yeah, he, yeah Sean, it's <laughs> Have been a good great. For what's left of it. It's been great doing radio with you. Actually, I've seen my daughters do that. Really? But then I realized my daughter just closed a book and just finished this <laughs> book and just was made she, her was, It made her sad? Made her fall apart, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. That's funny. My kids don't read. Oh, wow. I don't know why. I think it's because it's too emotional. Okay. We've been, in fact, we spent all weekend trying to get them to read. Hey, I have two kids that are that have got assignments. They've got to read their books. Uh, yes, I understand. <laughs> and they're not into totally reading. Good. They're totally not. They're there. not liking that. Yeah. So we we do everything we can. They've seen all the movie. They only read books that there's been a movie to. Oh, I see. It's a cheat book. You know, there's a thing called Cliff Notes. I know. Believe me. Okay. That's how I got my PhD. <laughs> <laughs> not really, but because they don't always PhD, they don't always Cliff Note everything good. James, you'll learn that. Well, mm. you've already learned it. Yeah, yeah. Getting your PhD. That is a depressing moment when you go onto Cliff Notes and it isn't there. Just like, yeah. I'm sorry. <sighs> no, it's a panicky moment because you're like, it's the night before the test and you're like, oh boy. No. How am I going to fake my way through this? <laughs> oh, it's a great lesson. Yeah. So today, uh, you know, we're going to talk emotions. We've got uh, Dr. Kenneth Barish will be joining us. He's the author of the book, Pride and Joy. It's all about emotions, understanding your children's emotions. A little bit later, too, Heather Johnson will be joining us. She's going to teach us how to teach your children about their emotions, how to understand their emotions. It's a big day. And what if those emotions are all coming at you at once? Oh, yeah. You know what you do there? No. (laughs) Send them to their room. Yeah. (laughs) See what that does. I have a Throw a grenade. That's not the answer. (laughs) Uh, But before we move along, we've got to get to our headlines. Headliners from the Matt Townsend Show, a summary of stories that you might have missed. Sean, have we missed any? I think we have. Well, we try not to miss them because we don't want our audience to miss them. That's right. Right. So uh, something, though, out of the University of Lincoln in England, by the way, it's where the University of Lincoln is, found this on the laboratoryequipment.com website. No, hold on. Why were you on that website? Because I saw the headline and wanted to go there. Okay. You're always shopping at the the laboratory (laughs) equipment. Yes, laboratoryequipment.com. more beakers. (laughs) Yes, Bunsen burners. If you buy one more Bunsen burner. Pipettes, you know, all those things. They had a wonderful sale going on this week. (laughs) Yes. I need to titrate something. (laughs) Okay. Okay. 
No more jokes. Okay, okay. About <laughs> chemistry class. I had a hard time in chemistry class. It I brings love. up bad emotions. Sorry. Okay, keep going. But uh, according to a study, some new research from the University of Lincoln from neuroscientists, it, they say that children can learn to better recognize other people's emotions through games that emphasize the significance of the eyes and the mouth in conveying feelings. Really? Yeah. Video games? No. Oh, like face-to-face games. Yeah. Well, rec- yeah, like actually just showing yeah. pictures. In fact, BYU did studies all about this. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Petra Pollux, uh, she's a co- cognitive neuroscient- neuroscientist from the University of Lincoln uh, her sc- in the School of Psychology. There. Mm-hmm. She says, how we recognize and process facial expressions plays a big part in our social interaction skills. And the ability to understand and read facial expressions is a crucial skill in development and begins at quite an early age. Yes. So kids are – they're already picking up on your facial expression, your eyes, mm-hmm. your mouth, what you're doing. The nine-year-olds, though, that they used, they were shown images that conveyed varying levels in, of intensity of emotional expression from a small smile to a big grin. And they were asked to match it with the correct emotion. And if it was – if they got it incorrect, they were alerted by a tone. Hmm. Now, children looked less often and for a shorter duration at the eyes of a person. Really? Right. They looked more at the mouth. for uh, um, The mouth is the tell. No, the eyes are the tell. Oh, the eyes are the tell, but yes. the pe- kids are kids focusing, were focusing more, on the mouth. more on the mouth. I love that. So they did some training for both adults and children, which increased the amount of time spent looking at the eyes. And the children showed a significant increase in the amount of time spent focused on the eyes of all three expressions after training. Huh. And now the images that they used in the final thing were replaced by totally different faces. So they could actually measure. Wow. So it wasn't, it wasn't a learned response. Right, yeah. This but is great. This, it's fascinating, I think. By the way, uh, along with that, babies can read each other's moods, studies find. A BYU, oh, really? BYU did a study on this. And it was released. Psychology professor Ross Flom's study mm-hmm. in the Academic Journal of Infants, Infancy shows that infants can recognize each other's emotions by five months of age. Really? The study comes on the heels of other significant research by Flom's on infants' ability to understand the moods of dogs, monkeys, and classical music. Hmm. So if you're going to have a party at the zoo, this child could get the dogs, the monkeys, throw in some classical music. You know what? It really just sounds like a BYU broadcast. It does, doesn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Kids at five months, six months can recognize emotions, and yet as parents, we don't get what's going on. Wow. We're not apparently watching their eyes enough. No, not enough. Something else I found on the internet today, which I found very humorous, actually. What? And it's meant to be humorous. This is the, the comments that you're going to hear in here maybe may sound crude as they're directed towards mm-hmm. a mother. Okay. But the mother put them out there, and she is a comedic writer, and she she, she means this to be funny. So let's listen to what uh, Joanna Stein calls mom head. <laughs> Mommy, when you wave your arms really fast, sometimes it sounds like you're clapping. Did you 
take a shower today because I don't think it works. Sometimes your mad face makes me laugh. Mommy, when we come home, I'll tell you all the things you did wrong today. <laughs> that is called Mom Head. Oh. It is on YouTube. That's just the audio portion. Uh, the mm. video portion, uh, the Joanna Stein actually strapped a GoPro camera to her head. And so you, you view her and it's it, – You see the whole thing. You see the whole – yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the voice is her actual daughter. Really? Um, the statements that her daughter made were statements that she made when she was four. Wow. How old is she now? The daughter is now seven, and that, that's when they were, they recorded them when she was seven. But Aren't kids I, beautiful? I, it's, it, you know, there, I saw some people making comments on, on the site that, oh, well, this kid should be taken out to the woodshed sort of thing. It's oh, like, please. come on. Yeah, it's Give just a, break. a kid. Teach these kids some respect. Uh, well. You know, <laughs> the bagel. my kids have made comments that we've said, yeah. no, you know, that's something not nice to say. You, you, you correct the kids. Well, yeah. But it's not like, you know. It's not like the end of the world that they're noticing this stuff. The kids are here to test you. Exactly. They're here to test your patience, your longevity, and apparently your caloric intake. I guess. Well, this this lady is nowhere. I, I guess she might look like a bagel. I don't know. I didn't. No. You couldn't but tell you know in what? the video. But. It won't matter. The kid, you know, I'm sure the kid got into her breath. Her, yeah. uh, you know, her everything else, mm-hmm. that, uh, everything you can say wrong, kids will say it. Exactly. But that's uh, – That that to me is more of an episode of kids say the darndest things than anything yeah. else. Well, that just sounded like my house. <laughs> yeah. Did that not sound like your house? Like, Yeah, especially my kids talking to their, their siblings. <laughs> that's right. And then you, you want to freak out on them, but you can't. Yeah. You can't. They're just little gifts from heaven. But so I thought we would share. That's really good. So if you like, look, look her up, Mom Head. So, Johanna Stein. Well, and today it's interesting because that those are just kids sharing their feelings. They well, are. Can a kid not share their feelings? Well, sure, but then it messes up the parents. <laughs> yeah, it does. And now the mom's got some probably very bad understanding and emotion she's got to deal with. Um, good stuff. We're going to talk, uh, continue our discussion about understanding your emotions. Especially going to talk today about your kids. Do you know that what your kids are interested in or not interested in tells a lot about them. And uh, we're going to be getting into the power of understanding our kids and their emotions and talking about emotion with our children. This is the Matt Townsend Show. When we come back, Dr. Kenneth Barish will be joining us up next right here on BYU Radio. Oh, I believe in yesterday, suddenly. I'm not half the man I used to be. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Ooh, a little yesterday from the Beatles. Tell me that doesn't bring back emotion. See, one song just slows everything down. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Of course, it's kind of strange to realize that it was actually called Scrambled Eggs. Was it really? Yes. When Paul McCartney was writing the song, the original tune he had in his head, he would, he would go, Scrambled Eggs. Oh, wow. Oh, my lady, how I love your legs. Wow. That so, took a whole different turn. It does, doesn't it? 
I'm glad it went to yesterday. Yeah, it, it's a much better song. I mean, some now, people but... don't even like it. Although, if you want to hear the whole song, he and Jimmy Fallon did the whole scrambled egg version. Oh, did they really? Yeah. See, it's, it, it actually sounds like something you say while singing along to it in your car and you don't know the words. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> scrambled eggs. Not even Paul McCartney knew the words at that time, though. <laughs> yeah, yesterday just has a better feel to it. Hey, today on the show, folks, we're talking about understanding emotions we brought in the pros, of course, to help us through with this. Dr. Kenneth Barish is joining us. He is a Ph.D. and uh, is a, a clinical associate professor of psychology at Weill Medical College at Cornell University. He's also on the faculty of Westchester Center for the Study of Psychoanalysis and Psychotherapy at the William Allenson White Institute Child and Adolescent Psychotherapy Training Program. But Dr. Barish has just recently come out with a new book uh, titled um, Pride and Joy, A Guide to Understanding Your Child's Emotion and Solving Family Problems. Uh, Dr. Kenneth Barish, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you, Matt. Uh, I'm very happy to be here and very interesting to listen to that little anecdote about Paul McCartney. Did you know that? I did not know that. I didn't know it, but it tells you something actually about the creative process. What? What? It tells you that we can start out with something that seems completely silly or not good at all and turn it into something that is genius. Isn't that – okay, teach us that because – so I guess it didn't matter about the words. It was it, there was a genius going on the tone, the feeling, and then he could fix the words later. What what is that? And I think I think we should work with kids that way too. Um, uh, one of the things that I like to emphasize with kids is the importance of encouragement. Mm. We take every little bit of um, good things that they say that they do um, and make note of it, and then they can expand it because. Every bit, every one of those things that they're doing, the positive things, it's telling us something about them, right? I mean, it's it's letting us into their head. And an expression of their ideas, their creativity. And it doesn't have to be a fully formed yeah. great idea or a fully formed uh, good project or good product, but it's the beginning of something. I love that. I mean, um, especially, and I know in some of your work, and we'll get into it throughout the show, you even just point out that somebody's interest, a child's interest, anything they have interest in, we don't have to we don't have to like or love or blow up or ignore, but there's something going on there when they show interest. Uh, absolutely, and every child has an interest. Uh, they may not be the interest that we would like them to have. Sure. They may be interested in watching television or playing video games, uh, and that's a problem for us because that's not what we really want them to do. Right. But we have to start where they're at. We Mm. have to go to their interests. Then when we respond with enthusiasm and curiosity about their enthusiasm and curiosity, we can then expand it into something that is uh, more productive and uh, a good product in the long run. I love that. So as we talk about this, I guess um, interest is one form of emotion, I guess. So you're teaching us we need to understand their emotion? Is that what you're teaching us? And then go with where they are to, to get a better picture? Explain that a little bit more. Exactly. Emotion is, is really what guides us in life. Um, and if we think of the full range of, of children's emotions, including interests, which, by the way, most people don't even think of as, as emotion. No, right, right. But in fact, it is an emotion. It tells us what to pay attention to. Um, and motivation starts with interest. And all kids are interested. Infants are interested. Hmm. They're interested in their mother's face and their mother's eyes, and they peer into their mother's eyes. I've been able to observe this 
um, uh, very much recently with the birth of my first grandchild. Mm. And you can see the intense look in his eyes as he's looking at his mother and his grandfather, of course. Of course. Uh, uh, and so interest is a first emotion. Um, other emotions uh, we're more familiar with, anxiety, discouragement, anger, and sadness. Um, and we've, we help kids uh, manage these emotions and tolerate these emotions. Then they're going to be more successful in everything that they do. So the emotion... I guess, and we've, we end up talking about this a lot on the show, but emotion really is just our brain's way of pointing out that something's important, I guess. Or That's a very is, good way of saying it. Is that it. how it does exactly. it? So it's, it's, it's more your subconscious brain, right, that's saying, uh, pay attention to this. This might, we might need later. And it's actually telling us, pay attention right away. Okay. Because emotions um, tell us to pay attention to something very quickly, much more quickly than our conscious or logical minds would do. Hmm. And yet here we sit, and a lot of times we don't pay. We, we not only just don't pay attention to it; we actually get mad about it, or or their emotion begets my emotion, and we start this spiral. Exactly, and that word "spiral," that a vicious cycle of negative emotions, is what gets families stuck. Yeah. Kids are acting badly. Kids are angry. We get angry at them, and that makes them more angry at us. And that's a, a vicious cycle of mm. negative interactions that. Uh, we have to arrest in some way and turn it into a positive cycle. That's interesting because I guess that's what happens. Huh? It turns the emotion then generates behavior. Um, so, so really, understanding emotion is is trying to step ahead of behavior. Exactly. Um, the our kids' bad behaviors. Um, when we when you say, well, why does he keep acting this way? Yeah. Um, why won't he do his homework? Why won't he get ready in the morning? Why is he always teasing his sister? Um, and I put that all in the, the bad behavior of boys. I don't want to eliminate girls <laughs> yeah, from everyone. It's an equal opportunity <laughs> problem. But um, uh, uh, parents often think, well, he's acting that way because I'm not strict enough with him, mm-hmm. or I don't set enough limits, or there has to be more punishment. But the real answer to those questions is he's acting that way because he's caught up in the emotion of the moment. Yep. And he can't manage that. He's either anxious, he's angry, he's discouraged. And so if we help him manage that feeling, then his behavior improves. It's a much better way um, to get kids to work through what's going on with them and to do better. Oh, man, I see it in my own life with my own kids because it seems like it seems more embarrassing, more problematic that he's doing something wrong and so I don't even really care why. Just right. stop it. And then we try to, you know, we shut it down in such a way that I guess we get the behavior seemingly that we want, but we never change the child's emotion. Well, there are going to be times when we're going to have to just shut it down, when we're frustrated, when we're in a hurry, when we're stressed. Mm. Uh, I, I don't think it's realistic to set this standard where parents always have to be empathic yeah. with their children's emotions. But when we're not... And when we've gotten too angry at them, we can repair that. And we just by circling late. back. Yeah, we can circle back. We, uh, I recommend 10 minutes at night, which I think of sometimes as the most important 10 minutes of a child's day, hmm. to say, listen, I got really angry at you today. And, you know, I-, I was right to be angry because you weren't listening and you said something that was really mean to your sister. But I think I got too angry. So let's talk about what's going on. Oh, that's powerful. 
we can repair that. And really what you're showing, all you're doing is modeling for your child emotion management. Exactly. And you're also, in offering an apology, um, you're modeling that it's okay to apologize. In fact, it's a good thing to apologize. Yeah. Yeah, and it's okay to make mistakes. We'll circle exactly. back. Patient, uh, we make mistakes. Kids make, kids make mistakes. We all make mistakes. It's part of life, and that's a, a good lesson for them to learn, too. Oh, yeah. Again, we're talking with Dr. Kenneth Barish, um, who is the author of the book Pride and Joy, A Guide to Understanding Your Child's Emotions and Solving Family Problems. He also, if you go to um, Psychology Today, has a very popular blog on that site as well called Pride and Joy, which um, which is, uh, you know, it's a big hit there, where you can get a lot of these ideas and articles. He's written a lot uh, on that website. So as well as on his own website, if you just go to Kenneth Barish, B-A-R-I-S-H dot com. We're going to take a break, come back with Dr. Kenneth Barish, more on emotion and understanding uh, really about your child's first emotion. We've mentioned it a little bit more on your child's interest when we come back on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Kelly Clarkson, because of you. Today we're talking about emotion, and especially emotion in our children. Uh, Now, Sean, I'm going to ask you, and uh, well, I'm going to ask James, because you may know, because you put together the show. Uh, Jaime, are you ready? I'm ready. What is a child's first emotion? The child's first emotion? Uh Uh-huh. Sadness. I don't know. They cry right when they come. Well, if, if you came out and they were always slapping you, they used to slap a baby to make it yeah, cry, yeah. I guess. I'd be mad. My yeah. first emotion would be mad. Anger, yeah. Yeah. Probably. No, it's not. Nope. My daughter's first movement behavior was she was reaching out her hand. And the doctor said, I thought it was just cute because she was just reaching for her father or her mother. And the doctor said, no, she's reaching for a credit card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which start was, early. I think that was rude. Um, but apparently the first emotion of a child is interest. Huh. We're going to find out why. Wow. With our guest today, Dr. Kenneth Barish is joining us. He's a clinical associate professor of psychology. He also is a psychotherapist and has been training uh, people in child and adolescent psychotherapy. Um, he's been doing this for, I think, about 30 years, graduated from Yale University in 1972, earned his Ph.D. in clinical psychology from the New School for Social Research in 1980. Um, he's been doing it. By the way, he also plays the trumpet, uh, performs in a jazz group. So, you know, he knows improv and all that and is the great author of the book Pride and Joy, uh, a guide to understanding your child's emotions and solving family problems. Kenneth Barish, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you again, Matt. You bet. Talk about interest being the the child's first emotion. Well, uh, your colleagues should not uh, be too ashamed of not getting that question right. It's a hard one. Because my students don't get that question right either. Okay. <laughs> because we don't think of interest as an emotion. No, we don't. Now, explain, but... explain it by define it for us. Um, interest, uh, synonyms for interest might be curiosity hmm. or wonder. Yeah, see, that when makes sense. When we're interested in something, we want to know more about it. That's why I said before that interest um, is the beginning of motivation. 
Uh, yeah. when, we, when interested in something, we want to learn, we want to know more, and it tells us what's important to pay attention to in the world. Well, and think so about in, that. There would be just a massive... Um, Meaningless stimuli. Yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah. But uh, how many times do you hear parents say, "I just, I don't know what it is. He won't listen to me." And you're thinking, "Well, okay. Well, why don't you clue in to what he's interested in? Start there." Yes, it, it's always the place to start. My conversations with children over, unfortunately, now more than thirty years. Oh wow, good. Um, is always begins with, "What are you interested in? What do you like to do? What do you like?" Almost all kids want to share their interests, and they will open up. Some of them won't. Some of them are kind of very shy or very angry, and we can approach them in a different way. But mostly, kids want to share their Mm. interests. That's the beginning of our having better conversations with them. Well, and how sad if, as a parent, you don't know their interests, or you don't accept their interests, or you don't care? Well, I'm a little bit more sympathetic to parents in that because I think most parents do care, but we get caught up in what we want them to do. Yeah. So, and what we want them to do, especially when they enter school, is to do well in school. We want them to be interested in reading. We want them to be interested in their subjects. Um, And we want to move them from their natural interests to our interests. Uh, But... We can't do that in a, in a simple way. We can't say, well, I don't want you to be interested in doing that anymore. I want you to be interested in what we're interested in. Hmm. We have to meet them more than halfway. Well, and, and how do you do that? So how do I start hearing their interest, understanding it, uh, you know, kind of getting into their energy and motivation around it, and, and still balance, you know, my other desires that they get grades and good grades and, and, and do some of those other things? If we take an enthusiastic interest in their interests, if we show this, and we really don't have to do this all day long, it, it really, um, there are some uh, programs that show that five minutes a day hmm. of enthusiastic interest in children's interests um, makes children's, children more cooperative, more willing to listen to us. We can then have discussions with them about what we want for them. And then to try and understand if they're not interested in let's say it's schoolwork, we can try and understand why. Hmm. We yeah. always have to look at why. We can't treat the symptom without knowing the cause. Children, I say this very, very often, one of the most important lessons to get across to parents, children are not lazy. So if they're not interested in something, uh, some other feeling has gotten in the way. Anxiety, discouragement, frustration, and if we can understand it from that point of view, then we have a much better chance of helping renew their interests. I love that. Because it's so easy to just think, oh, the kids are lazy. Lazy is not in my dictionary. Yeah. Lazy is at best a description. That there's just something Never else motivating explanation. them. Right. We can say that somebody's lazy, but, but that doesn't explain anything. Because if we, think, if we think that's the explanation, that they're lazy... Um, then all we can say is, well, you have to work harder. Yeah, right. It, and it doesn't help. It doesn't, it doesn't because whatever is truly inhibiting them from wanting to do something isn't, hasn't changed. Exactly. So you're really saying you've got to go figure out either what motivates them or what is disincentivizing them. So there's exactly. one or the other. Something is either hooking them up or you know, ready to be unleashed. And either way, you're, you're not going to move forward until we figure it out. 
you don't know how often in my work with families, um, battles over doing homework, battles over schoolwork have uh, become such a destructive force in family life. Mm. Parents, kids don't want to do their work. Parents are angry at them. Kids then get angry at their parents. Parents become critical, and every criticism uh, evokes a defiant response in kids, and then that defiance evokes a more critical response from parents, yeah. and another vicious cycle that can really become malignant for families. Man, I, and I think everyone out there listening, you can hear, you can see it in your families. You may have even just seen it in your parents, uh, just not quite getting you. Talk about shame, and does this parallel and get into, I mean, does this seem to influence our sense of shame? Well, yes. Um, shame is our, the emotion that we experience in response to failure of any kind, in response to criticism, and in response to exclusion. Hmm. So kids can feel, feel very ashamed if they are excluded or bullied by their peers. They feel very ashamed if they have difficulties in learning, uh, especially difficulties in learning to read. Do you remember the film? It was a book also called The Reader. Um, it was about a woman who, would, who could not read, oh. and she would more willingly go to jail for the rest of her life then reveal she couldn't read. that she could not read and in that way prove her innocence. Ugh. So difficulties in learning produce a profound feeling of shame. Shame is different than guilt. Right. Uh, guilt, we feel guilty when we have done something that has hurt someone else. And what we want to do, generally when we feel guilty, is confess. Um, when we feel ashamed, we want to hide because shame reflects more on... It's much more personal. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like my thoughts, self. right? It's about me. It's my view it's about, of me. It's about me. Yeah. It's about who I am. It's not about this thing that I have done. Right. So when kids feel ashamed, they will want to hide. They don't want to talk. And feelings of shame really stay with us. Huh. When we're angry, we get over it. When we're anxious, we get over it. But if we feel ashamed because it is such a personal emotion... It's referred to as one of the self-conscious emotions. That can stay with us, actually, for our entire lives. I can still remember things that I did that I felt ashamed about, mm. that when I felt like I let my parents down or I let my children down. And those experiences are still with me. Um, hopefully, they're, they're now balanced. They're in perspective. They're not the whole picture. They're yeah. just part of the picture, which is how we help kids with feelings of shame. Because when we hide, when we have shame, this emotion, and when our children have shame, we tend. It seems like we tend to we hide it, don't we? we so we don't tell anybody we have it, but it's constantly a, an emotion that's operating on us. We almost always hide it, yes, and it's always operating on us. That oh is, man! Uh, when uh, I wrote that the emotions are not just feelings. Uh, what I meant by that is emotions are very complex processes, and one of the things that every emotion uh, does is it, it impels us to do something. So when we're interested, we're curious. We want to learn. But when we feel ashamed, we hide. Mm -hmm. That's the basic behavior that's associated with the feeling of shame. When kids don't want to talk to us, it's often because they feel ashamed about something. When they feel anxious, they're often anxious about Will I be ashamed? Embarrassment, for example, is a form of shame. Yeah. Embarrassment is a mild form of shame. 
humiliation, that's a severe form of shame. So these are all emotions that are telling us something. And out of the emotion, there's going to be this drive to do something. And every emotion, shame, interest, anxiety, they're all going to lead to behaviors. So the behaviors will help you backtrack to emotions. And then our job is to get in and see if we can't explore the emotion with them. And if we can explore the emotion, we will help kids in a much more profound way with the behavior. Yeah. I mean, it's the real solution, isn't it? It is the solution. And when we focus only on their behavior, we are going to be helpful to them to a much more limited extent. Oh, that's huge. I mean, this is really, this seems like, this is parenting, this is basic parenting 101, isn't it? But we just don't, we don't do it very well. Uh, It is basic parenting. And I often worry that some of the things that I say when I talk about children's emotions uh, may seem obvious because, of course, we all understand that we have emotions. But so often, parents get stuck in thinking instead about children's behavior. Yeah, right. And they think in a, um, think about behavior. They think about, well, should I reward this or should I punish this? And those, it's often necessary to punish. It's, um, it's more helpful to actually focus on rewards. But even those, just to focus on rewarding or punishing behavior without helping children understand and regulate their emotions is going to be much less helpful to them in the long run because in the long run, doing well means being able to manage your emotions. Sure. And the emotions being don't go away. Them. They don't go away. We all get discouraged at times. We all get anxious. Yeah. Um, we all feel ashamed. Mm. But being able to work past that really is, uh, in my experience, uh, the key to success. I think you're so right. I, I, I see it everywhere. Um, we're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Kenneth Barish. Again, uh, the author of the book, and you got to be checking it out, Pride and Joy, A Guide to Understanding Your Child's Emotion and Solving Family Problems. We'll be back. If you have a question uh, for Dr. Barish, give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-242-8298, or tweet us at BYU Radio. We'd love to uh, present that question to Dr. Barish. We'll be right back. More on emotion and your children right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody. Chris Allen's My Weakness. My Weakness, by the way, would cause some shame. If we're going to talk about it. Snickers? I love Snickers. Mm-hmm. Mm. This is Chris Allen. Chris Allen was one of the winners of American Idol. Yeah. It's amazing. They come on American Idol, you see them, and then you don't hear from them much. But, come on. He's got it all together. That's the problem, is we think everybody else... They just got the perfect life. In reality, we're all just battling a bunch of stuff. And one thing that's key to health and, and I think psychological growth is understanding your own emotions. And as parents, I think we, we can all do uh, better, really, at trying to help our children understand their emotions. And even as parents, we need to just understand our own. We're not going to be perfect at this. But the more we can understand, I think the more it's going to help our children and um, our grandchildren eventually 
It's just basic skills being taught to us right now by Dr. Kenneth Barish. Um, again, basics not always easy, though, is it? He's a clinical associate professor of psychology at Weill Medical College at Cornell University. He's been teaching um, and, and you know working as a faculty member of the Westchester Center for the Study of Psychoanalysis and Psychotherapy and the William Allenson White Institute Child and Adolescent Psychotherapy Training Program. So he has been working for 30-plus years with children, uh, and he's teaching us how to understand their emotions, how, how to get into those emotions, and um, and I think just grow healthier children as well as healthier children that know how to deal with the emotions they're going to feel throughout the rest of their life. Dr. Kenneth Barish, welcome back to the show. Thank you again, Matt. You bet. Um, how can we teach our children other emotions or I guess other things like being empathic or um, and giving how do we get our children to focus on some of these other emotions that um, are critical? Not, not we don't we don't want to necessarily just focus on the behaviors, but get them to feel and to care and to have a desire to give. Right, and not to be so not concerned only about their feelings, yeah, but other people's feelings and no, other yeah. people's needs. That's one misunderstanding of this focus on emotions. Is it's if we focus on children's emotions, we're being indulgent of them and teaching them to care only about themselves. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, we need to communicate to them that their feelings are important, but so are other people's feelings, and that's, of course, the basis of morality. So with our empathy for them, with our recognition and acknowledgement of their emotions, that opens them up to be more caring towards others. And they do this naturally, right? I mean, we just were reading studies about kids at the age of five months. Are, they already recognize and mirror other children, other babies' emotions. This is a very natural process. We're just trying to bring it under the light. Exactly. There, there is a natural empathy. There is also a natural self-centeredness. These things are in conflict with each other. Okay. Um, so it's not as if we are um, born entirely empathic, but mm-hmm. we have also our self-protective mechanisms. But we can be role models for caring behavior. And we can let kids know that we are proud of them, not only for their achievements, their accomplishments, but for the good things that they do for others. And we can actually make doing for others a more central part of our family lives. Hmm. So that, again, we become good role models for them. Uh, There's a lot of research that when kids engage in doing things for others, they get a lot of benefit out of it. Others get benefit, but so do we. Yeah. Um, kids begin to feel that they have something to offer, and they, they actually learn that it actually feels very good to do good things for others. Mm-hmm. But if we're not empathic with their emotions, then we're going to close them down. We're, gonna, we're going to make them more self-protective, more defensive, and then um, to bury what it would ne- be their natural empathy. So one, I guess, one of the key ways is that we need to empathize with what they're feeling, understand it, maybe point it out, let them talk about it, um, and, and then give our children opportunities to serve and notice others. I mean, just what do you think it feels like to be that boy who just, you know, missed that goal right. in soccer? Tell me about that. Yeah, because they, they would be able to infer and understand. Exactly, or um, or that boy who was bullied, mm-hmm. or I want you to understand also how your brother felt when you said that mean thing to him. 
There you go. So there's no contradiction between being empathic with our children's feelings, but also helping them understand that it's important to understand other people's feelings. Yeah. And part of this just is it just seems like focus, right? We we need to stay focused on it instead of more reactive to what we're feeling. Absolutely. The the real key to solving family problems is to be proactive rather than reactive. When we're reacting to our kids, we're most often reacting badly. Because mm-hmm. uh, exactly. we're not at our best. We're at our wit's end. We say things and do things that we regret. So when that happens, we talked about this a little bit yeah. earlier, when that happens, we can take a step back. That's actually the first step in solving any family problem is take a step back. Go to our kids and say, listen, you know, uh, I don't like um, how I uh, acted towards you today. I don't, I don't like what I said to you. I think we're having a problem here. Um, what do you think we can do to hmm. solve this problem? That's a question that parents don't instinctively ask. Instinctively, we think of, what should I do to help him act better? Or what should I do to help her with this? Right. But it's actually better to enlist them in the process of problem solving, to say, what do you think would help us so that we don't get into this fight that we got into today? What, and what will that do to their psyche? What the, when, you hear, when they hear that, I guess they immediately feel, well, at least he values my opinion here. He but, values my opinion. Um, it changes the channel. It makes them less defensive. And it begins getting them on the channel instead of, well, how can I get what I want? Or uh, why am I still so angry at them? It gets them on the channel of how can we solve this problem? Yeah. Which, of course, is the channel that we want them to be on. That's right. And they most often come up with ideas. Sometimes they'll say, I don't know, and then we can suggest our ideas. But often they'll come up with something, and it may be uh, the beginning of an idea. Maybe it'll be... Scrambled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we can take scrambled eggs and make it into yesterday. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the, the thing is because it's not really – it's just the beginning of creativity like you were saying earlier. Exactly. Um, uh, because when I talk with kids and I say, you know, what do you think? Can we come up with a plan? Um, kids want to come up with a plan. Kids want to solve problems. They don't want to push our buttons. They don't want to be in this stuck cycle that we get into in our family so often. Right. They don't want that so tension. They're, they're looking for solutions. They just may feel that they don't know what to do. And I really love what you've taught us about, and I think it is just a human tendency to maybe trust what we're doing more than what we're feeling. But we And we always seem to jump. I always see it like in problem solving. We always kind of jump into problem solving before we thoroughly have vetted what's going on in our heads and in our hearts and the emotion of it. And there's a power to doing that, to getting to the emotion, because you dissipate a lot of the emotion Exactly by sharing it. When kids feel that, that they have been acknowledged, when their anxiety or frustration or their grievance, yeah. something that they think is unfair, you want to get kids talking, ask them what's unfair. <laughs> exactly. talk. And they always think that something is unfair. And right. We have at least acknowledged that then they're more open. So problem solving is very important, but problem solving is actually the third step. The first step is to acknowledge their feelings, their frustrations, their disappointments, then to present our point of view, Mm. and then to come up with a solution together. 
and and in that order and in that speed. I mean, if if I present my opinion and and they don't like it, I could still go back and circle back and try to acknowledge their feeling and understand more why and just keep doing that cycle. That's powerful. Right. We can always cycle back. Yeah. Um, we can always admit we've made a mistake. It's a, it's a really good thing to tell kids that we've made a mistake. Um, and we can always say, you know, I wish I had understood a little bit more how you felt. Now let's think about this together. Yeah. What are your ideas? I love it. Uh, Dr. Kenneth Barish is his name. You've got to go check out his website, Kenneth Barish. B-A-R-I-S-H dot com. Kenneth Barish dot com. Dr. Barish, thank you so much. Uh, the insight so valuable. And uh, really, everybody go out and buy that book, Pride and Joy. Thank you very much, Matt. You bet. Great to have you. Folks, this is why we're learning. We want to be better, understand ourselves, our children better. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, continue this discussion, giving you more tools, more ideas about emotion and your family. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. song. That's Adele, my friends. Someone like you. Adele. Today we've been, uh, we've been playing a lot of music for you. Like uh, we learned earlier that Paul McCartney yesterday, mm-hmm. originally... Well, the Beatles Well, the Beatles. Yesterday. But originally it was scrambled, scrambled eggs. Scrambled eggs, yes. And Adele, someone like you... Was originally what? Rum Rum Gragru. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Scooby. <laughs> right, Raggy. <laughs> Real good to be fresh, <laughs> Rum, rum, rack, roo. Yeah. <laughs> We're helping you get the lyrics right. <laughs> Either that or it's a pirate song. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Arg. You know, uh, Adele, she's my favorite. Great voice. She sings baritone. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. I don't know music. She's had a child. Has she now? Since her last album. I think she's making another album now. Yeah. So. Well, she's nailed it. Here's the deal. Today on the show, we are talking about emotions, understanding emotions. Have you guys ever read the book called Emotional Intelligence? Nope. No. Can't say Sorry. I have. Well, you're both boring. <laughs> Just to be <laughs> Well, clear. I haven't read oh, Twilight man. either, so. Yeah, I know, but you've watched the movie 44 times. No. Uh, here's Sorry. The 45 times, 45 Matt. times. Yes. Sorry. See, they, now you're getting angry. <laughs> perfect. That'll be a perfect segue. Daniel Goleman has a best-selling book that came out in 1998 called Emotional Intelligence. Okay. And it blew up what is intelligence because forever intelligence was if you had a high IQ. Right. So high IQ equals intelligence. But what they found is honestly there's other types of intelligence than just book smarts. Oh, I thought you were talking about UFOs. No. Oh. No. No. Um, And so in the end, here's what I want to get into on the show. And I've only got my little bit here. But here's the rule, okay? Emotional intelligence, it's not enough to just get good grades. At some point, you have to get – you have to understand people. You have to understand your own emotion. Mm -hmm. You have to get your own feelings. And in his book, he he did a lot of research and found out that – 
having high emotional intelligence is probably more important to you long term in surviving, in thriving in life, in having friends, in making money and in being healthy than than having a really high IQ. IQ doesn't always correlate to relationships, but it does correlate to passing a test and getting into a university. So, great book if you haven't read it. But there's five skills that he – and I'm going to quiz you guys. Are you ready? Okay. Five skills that are part of emotional intelligence. I have a Number feeling one, I'm going to fail this. No, you won't. Well, you might. Maybe. I'm not in college anymore. Well, so. but do you recognize your own emotions and feelings as they are happening and do you understand how your emotions impact you? Oh, that's hard. So it highly, is difficult. So people with emotional intelligence understand their own emotions. They also understand how their emotions impact you, impact them. They understand that – I'd like to think that I do. Yeah, because if you do, you would have a, a, a skill called self-awareness. Okay. One key to, to being an emotionally intelligent person is you're self-aware. You know that, oh, it's getting late and usually when I'm tired, I start to get more ornery. Oh, so my orneriness that's coming on right now is because I'm tired or I haven't eaten or – and so you start mm, to notice. Okay. So, yeah, so self-awareness, it's a huge part of it. Um, James, do you know how to regulate and manage your own emotions so that they don't get the best of you? Oh, that's tough. That's that, a tough one. That's the thing. In the moment, yeah. it's really difficult. Afterwards, I think, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's easy to evaluate and everything. Yeah. But in the moment, that's tough. But honestly, just so you know, even if you evaluate it later, that's still kind of healthy. It still can be emotionally intelligent. You're mm-hmm. just doing it later. Yeah. I mean, the goal would be to do it sooner. Mm-hmm. But you try that all the time. Every time you start getting angry, you always yell, biscuit! And then you hit the ground and start doing push-ups. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where biscuit came from, but I think it's fantastic that you're trying to channel your energy. Either that or I, I usually go into the corner of the room, get into fetal position, yeah. and start rocking myself. Yeah, yeah, that's awkward. I like the biscuit It's a good way to cope. Thing. So the second one is regulation. So if you, ha- you have to be self-aware enough to understand about your emotions and how you're impacted. You also have to know how to regulate your emotions. Biscuit! Push-ups, which is brilliant. I mean, I'm glad you've learned that. Over years And by the way, practice, your yeah. muscles, huge. Bulging. Hitting the pillow. Yeah. yeah. Punching it around. Mm-hmm. Third key, do you recognize the emotions and feelings in others as they are being presented? So one key to emotional intelligence is you have the ability to recognize not just in yourself and not just regulate yourself, but you have the ability to recognize in others their emotion, and you can recognize those emotions real time. So that was what we'd call other awareness. You're aware of other people's feelings. Hmm. It's, it's, st- it's stumping you, isn't it, Sean? Yeah. Now you're just going to the Orioles game. I understand. Orioles already won. Oh, did they? I'm sorry. Don't they don't play it. till Friday. Oh, they won. So you're happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, rule number four. Do you know how to validate and effectively manage the emotions of others so that you can improve the relationship? Oh, wait a minute. How do you manage somebody else's emotions? Oh, I could manage your emotion. The Orioles, worst team on the earth. Biggest <laughs> waste of humanity. That's fine because I don't root for the Orioles. Oh, yeah, sorry. Cubby, who do you like? Oh, you like – who do you like? San Francisco Giants. Very Giants. good. Giants, worst team on earth. OK. If you, it's your opinion. <laughs> yeah. But see, I can manage your emotion. You know that? I know I can because I can make you mad. I can't make you mad, but I can create conditions where you're like, 
I'm ticked. Well, even if you know you know how you should act according to the, someone's mm-hmm. emotions, you mm-hmm. know, I think that gives tons of clarity that if you can realize that someone's acting a certain way yeah. because of an emotion that they're feeling, yeah. I think that makes it so much easier for you to be able to gauge how you should act well, in that what situation. If, what if that's what our earlier guest was teaching us? What if we had the ability as a parent to understand and listen and our child could share with us what they're feeling? And I could listen to those feelings without getting on them, beating them up, ignoring them, and actually through that process, dissipate emotion. That's number four. That's called empathy, by the way. And number five, do you know how to relate well enough with others to enroll them into your emotions and ideas? See, those are the social skills needed to basically be a politician in a way, but how to enroll people into your ideas. So. We have, to have, we have to have the ability to manage and recognize our own emotions, to recognize the emotions of others, to try to have the skills to lower those emotions, and to try to enroll people into our emotion. Hmm. That, my friends, is called emotional intelligence. And we struggle with it in this world. Think of how many problems in Congress, in international uh, politics, governments, how many times in our marriages, in our – churches in communication, we don't have emotional intelligence. And instead, we just ride right over people. Well, that's because a lot of people like to be reactive. That's right. Which is, by the way, that's not self-regulating. No. That's the lack of self-regulation. And some of us aren't even aware of it. That's self-awareness. And some of us don't have the empathy to see it in others. So one of the powerful things is if I see someone that's highly reactive, I have a huge advantage. If I know they're reactive, I can own them. <laughs> so great because I know I can see what they're going to do. They always do what they do. So all you got to do is throw this up and they're going to do that and you just run around mm-hmm. the side and then you go steal their wallet. That's usually what parents do with kids. Steal yeah. their wallets. Well, that too. <laughs> My kids don't have any wallets or money. No, but I know where their banks are. We've already stolen all of their money. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? So, so think about it. And this is important, James, because you're about to get married someday. Someday, yeah. Did you notice I threw that in there? But you will. Really There's this great friend of yours. I bet you she's super emotionally intelligent. She is. Does she read you like a book? Yeah. 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 And it was her birthday this last weekend, by was the way. Was it? Yep. Uh-huh. So Molly Da-da-da. is now how old? 24. 24. Yep. <sighs> Greatest day ever. Sure. What did you do for her birthday? Never reveal her age on air. Well, we don't even reveal her name. Yeah. That's, how can how can you know if she's really twenty four? I yeah. mean, come on. She, we know she's really forty four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which has got us About all a little that. bit worried. <laughs> what um, What do you think? Uh, what did you give her for her birthday? <laughs> I was actually talking to Maddie about this, and she says that it was it was a mistake. Oh, oh, oh Maddie! I got her. I got her knives. I got her knives. Oh, are oh, you wait kidding? A no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Okay, no. Rule number forty-four <laughs> in the man ma- manual: never Don't give a woman knives. No. That's you know what? No, James. That's what you're supposed to get her after you've been married about five years. I'm going to say, isn't that like the 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 seven year? Is the, the, is, the, is that's the, the knife, the knife anniversary? Yeah. Yeah. It's the knife anniversary. After ten year is the vacuum. There you go. Oh, <laughs> the ladies, the ladies love it when you give them a vacuum. Okay, no, no. As the doctor of passion, yeah, I'm just going to say this: that we like to cook together, and so I got knives so we could cook together and spend more time together. All right, you know, a pot. Yeah. I should have gone with the spatula safer, or a pot or spoonula. But you know what? When okay. you think about it, nothing says love more than some knives. <laughs> Please cut my heart out. <laughs> yep. You know what? We're going to do a survey uh, with the rest of the group. We're going to ask around and see if knives were the best 
uh, purchase? We'll find out. James, <laughs> call me, man. Call me. I could have helped you. <laughs> Next time. Next time. One eight five five chat BYU if you think knives are a good idea. Give us a call. Or or let us know what you think would be a good birthday present for the girlfriend. Yeah. Well, now we've got knives. You can't take a knife back. No. Oh, no. Please call in and say that the knives were a great idea. All of you out there. But your romantic idea was the great idea. That you were being romantic. Yes. You just, you, you just, you know, you could have got her a microwave. Anyway. Yeah. We love you, James. Even if you Silverware? I think that is a sign that Salt James. Salt and pepper shaker. Uh, nah. I think I would or just Or is that stick, the sixth year? Yeah, that's number. That's your number six. We're going to keep talking about emotional intelligence on the show. I think we're going to need it for the rest of the crew. Hey, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, Heather Johnson's going to join us. We're going to ask Heather her ideas on James's purchase of knives for the girlfriend. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Um, I missed you. Okay, by the way, that's a perfect segue into just a little thing we've got to solve right here. Uh, before the break, um, we were talking about James, uh, his girlfriend, uh, what's it, Molly, we're calling her. Molly, whose uh, alleged age is 24 years of age, just had a birthday party. And James, the romantic he is, by the way, the doctor of romance. I probably would have bought her a whip and not the knife set. But James bought uh, his cute little girlfriend a knife set. Not a knife set. Two knives. Two knives, yeah. And um, the reason behind that is super important. But before you get to that reason, Heather, um, let's just say your husband. Okay. On your birthday. Right. Just shows up and he just kisses you on the lips and just says, babe, babe, I got something for you. And he pulls out a, a couple knives and and you just like open them up and you, the, just the gleam, the, the, the shimmer of light just like blinds you. What's your first thought? Well, because we've been married longer and I know he knows me. Yeah. It would be great because he knows right now, for example, I love to cook and a new knife would be fantastic. Yeah. I would See, love that. So that would be that would be a home run. It would be a home run. I would be really excited. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much what James did. But Okay. Yeah. More? If if we didn't have that history Let's say you were just dating. It could be taken the other way. We don't want it to be, but you're teasing him because it could have been taken as, yeah. oh, so what? You expect me to cook for you every night? Or yeah. what, what do you expect with these knives? What do you want me to do with these knives? Right. Did I tell you that they, they're throwing knives? Right. <laughs> they're just for throwing. <laughs> or wearing on your hip. You <laughs> yeah. She wears a Bowie knife she on wears, her hip. She wears it on her hip. Just to gut the deer. Um, so, James, you had another side of this that's super important that we all understand. Yeah. Just that when we were first when we first met each other – that um, when we'd spend time with each other, we'd mainly be we'd be cooking together. I think it's a great opportunity to to talk and and to share that experience. Yeah. And so I was like, hey, knives would be great. You well, know? if you had great knives, you could just you could like mince. Yeah, you could. Um, Except you probably want to pay really good attention if you have. A you sharp could knife. shift an odd. Yeah, whatever that is. <laughs> well, I think I think it was on the romance scale. You were off the chart, huge, big. Well, you really are the you're the doctor of romance. There you go. 
when it comes to birthday gifts, not so much the doctor. Well, that's the thing is that I feel like it should be practical, you know. Oh, for sure. I don't like something that has to sit on the yeah. shelf and collect dust. Let's just hope she doesn't lose a finger. Yeah, let's hope so. Because <laughs> that's the beginning of a very bad marriage. Yeah. It's a bad start. Heather Ann Johnson's in the house. MS, Master of Science. Master of Science. <laughs> she, by the way, is a, as an adjunct faculty member here at BYU. She's the real deal. My daughter is in her class, and she's fantastic, she says. My daughter says, you are incredible. Well, that's Your nice knowledge, vast. Uh, she says, the knife on your hip, a little intimidating. <laughs> it is. I wear it for that reason. <laughs> Freaks people out. By the way, Heather self-published her book, Family Fun Fridays. Uh, next year, I hear there's going to be um, Family Fun Thursdays. Thursdays, yeah. We want you to play other days of the week, too. Yeah. Yeah. So Because you can play you every day. Some new options. Go to her website, familyvolley.com. But Heather's here to teach us about emotions and our families. Because uh, you can have one bad – one. No, I shouldn't say bad – you can have one child having a hard emotional moment and it can spread – like a disease. Well, it can. It's very contagious. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's true. What are we supposed to do? Just I think we're supposed to quarantine that one. Right. Forever. Or Just for a really a, long time. Yeah. yeah. Go sit in the car. Right. Yeah. At least for 24 hours. What are we supposed to do? Well, here's the thing we're going to start with. Two things we have to recognize first. Okay. The most important thing to understand when we talk about emotions in families is that the way we deal with them with our children and our spouses, but in particular our children when they're young is how they will grow up to deal with them in their future families. Oh, yeah, that's true. You're handing it down. And so we often don't think of that. But whatever type of situation we create there, they're going to take that to a spouse and yeah. they're going to take that to our, to their children right. and pass that on. So, These are your grandchildren. Right. <laughs> You're setting up how your grandchildren will be parented. Right. Forget about thinking about them and yeah. what they need. Think right back about us right, right. and what's best for us. When you think about it, it's really always about right. us. It really, it really comes back to us. <laughs> so this is really, really important because we're teaching them skills that they're going to take with them. Yeah. If we don't do it the right way, we really set them up for a lot of struggles when all of a sudden they have a spouse that they're trying to communicate and deal with their own emotions and their spouse's emotions, and now they've got kids with their own emotions. So we want to understand that first. The second thing that really underlies all this is that what happens emotionally isn't just about the situation itself. Hmm. When it comes to a family setting, it, are, it is the things we do every day, all day, that prepare us for any emotional situation. So it really, how everything is combining everything in these magical moments. Right. And we've talked about this before, about our family relationships being circular. We're so quick to think that it's linear. A always causes B. You right. did this and now I respond. But my response to something my husband is going to say to me when I get home is not just what he just said. It's how I felt this morning and what happened last week and a discussion maybe I had with my parents 10 years ago or a situation I saw. Five. It's all connected. Yeah. And so what we do today clearly affects the emotional situations we're going to have with our families in a week. Right. So we have to understand that we're constantly contributing to or taking away from our ability to handle our emotions day to day today. Mm. So every little thing. So if every I'm tired, right. if I haven't eaten healthy or whatever. All of that is contributing. Right? Oh, all of that's going to contribute. I know. It, it gets so tricky. So what we're going to do is we want to ensure that our families are emotionally healthy. Yep. That's what we want to do. We're going to do this in, in a number of ways. The first, and it's so repetitive, I recognize that, but it's we've got to be a good role model. Yeah. So oh. we'll hit it quick and we'll yeah. move on. But if we pout, 
Uh-huh. If we sulk, yeah. if we belittle, throw if, a diva moment, right? If you know, if we use that buoy knife, if yeah. we tease, yeah. if we if we're out buying people knives right? left and right, it's exactly right. We are not modeling what it is that we want our children to emotionally do. That's yeah. not healthy. If, yeah, that's because that goes even not spanking aside. But so if I'm going to use physical aggression, right? If I'm going to use loud language or bad language and loud words, we're modeling emotional. Unhinging. Right. That's what's going to happen. You know, I look in our family at my husband and I, and our goals have always been very similar. But the way we came to those in our families of origin are very, very mm-hmm. different. And so I was re- raised in a much more emotionally stable family where for him, emotions and communication, because that's what all this ab- is right. about, is communicating. Uh, for example, they were very direct. If it was stupid, you looked at each other and said, you're an idiot. If they didn't like it, you yeah. know, you punch your brother and he stopped. It, we're all done. It was just yeah. very very different. Right. (laughs) And with six boys, that's probably a lot more normal than than not. But that doesn't work in our family. Those aren't the goals. So we have to come together to see that what we model and the way we do things has to be the way we want our children to eventually do things. That's huge. So we've got to look at ourselves first. And talk about the model. Talk about what we want it to look like. What do we want them to do? And we can safeguard them from so many of the problems that they'll face when they are dating, when they do have a spouse, when they do have children, right. by modeling those those appropriate emotional behaviors first. So as redundant as it is, we've got to start with that one. Oh, that sure. one's really important. That's good. Next is to be emotionally healthy in a family is we've got to demand honesty. Honesty only. There's no other exception. Now, we're not just talking with our emotions. We mean honesty across the board. Yeah. Did you, you know, eat that? Yes. Are you supposed to be doing that or did you finish your homework? Honest. Be yeah. honest. Yeah. We need to expect the honesty. The honesty then breeds trust. That trust is what will open lines of communication so that our children and our spouses feel that they can actually express true emotion. That's cool. That's only going to happen if we ensure that things are – people are honest. Well, and so honesty – and you have to take my honesty. So I've had people that were honest. Right. And then the other couldn't take it. Right. And they're like, what? You did what? You said you wanted honesty and game over. Right. And we can't be like that. The other thing we have to realize is honesty is not rudeness. Yeah, right. No. Right? And the way we manage that is we have to always see our family members as people. Yeah. They are real people with thoughts and feelings and fears and hopes and dreams and good days and bad days just like us. Yeah. If we can see them as a person instead of an object. Or an evil spawn of Satan. Right. We will deliver our message with the right kindness and compassion so that we can be honest without being yeah. destructive. And so that's really the key there. But we have to expect honesty in all areas so that those lines of communication can be open when we need honest emotion. I love that. So that's we cool. need honesty. And you that's bet. that's really important. Now this honesty and seeing other people as people leads us to empathy, which you've covered yeah. today yeah. and really is a fundamental principle of any successful family. So we want our children, we want our spouses to be able to look at one another and say, how does she feel? How does that make him feel? And, and get and be able to get into that and actually be changed by it. Right. Enough that they can that we can put ourselves in their position and ingest what that might be like, that will change the way we communicate. Yeah, I love that. That will change our emotions. Because that changes you. And if we – that something has to change you before anyone will listen to anything else uh, that you're going to say. Right. We're with Heather Ann Johnson. Um, again, you got to go to her website, familyvolley.com. She also is the author of the book Family Fun Fridays. And the teacher and educator of my oldest child. <laughs> and she's doing a, a knockout job. Incredible job. 
My daughter thinks she wants to be you. Well, she's pretty fun to have. She tells us lots of dirt on you. Well, don't listen to her because she's a liar. (laughs) We're going to take a break. And when we come back, more with Heather Ann Johnson right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody. Let it be. This is a great song, too. This is a good one. Doesn't this bring back yeah, memories? It does. Like when you got your first knife <laughs> at the prom. <laughs> and you had your braces and you were talking like this and she gave you a knife. <laughs> she gave you a knife. She didn't give me a knife. Yeah, I gave her a knife. <laughs> there you go. I'm like, will you, will you go steady with me? She's like, with this little knife? <laughs> This knife signifies my love and commitment to you. Oh, James, we love you. James, uh, if anybody needs ideas for their loved one, give James a call. one 855 Got great ideas. He'll start with the Ginsu collection and work his way up. That's kind of a good one because with knives, there are very distinctive levels. Oh, yeah. Right? So you yeah. could start low end if you don't like her very much. Yeah. And work your way up, right, to like a Wustoff if you're ready to marry Whoa. her. There you go. And what just, is a Wustoff? And just work your way right up the really, knife ladder. That's a high-end knife. It's a real knife, yeah. <sighs> Romantic. <laughs> hey, joining us again, Heather Ann Johnson. She likes us to say Ann. She actually doesn't, but um, we do it for her. Actually, we do it for me. Heather Ann Johnson is joining us uh, from the website familyvolley.com. She wrote the book, Family Fun Fridays, and uh, again, is the teacher of my daughter's college class. And uh, I hear there's a one in 10 chance she'll get an A. One in 10. She, I think her chances are a little higher. She's a really good student. Excellent. Is she a good student? She is. She's a really good student. Faking. She's faking. <laughs> her comments always correlate, and that's hard to come by with students sometimes. Really? It is. It is. Yeah. She... Sometimes students raise their hand and say something, and it's, it takes a lot of work to, to validate. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah like, where, like, where did that come from? Yeah, but hers are always right on track. Really? Yeah, they are. You've taught her well. Um, I think that was my wife. <laughs> she does give us some dirt on you sometimes. Does she? Yeah, Again, good. don't listen to her because she's got other problems <laughs> Just <laughs> that I don't want to air on the radio. Just now and again, you yeah. know. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. She never brings up the knife, though, right? No knives. Okay, good. no. But I'll ask her about it on yeah, Wednesday. We'll ask see. her about that. Yeah. Just see what she we'll says. See what she says. See how that goes. Hey, you were teaching before the break uh, what we need to do with our children and as a family to create, you know, more emotional health. Right. So that our families are emotionally healthy, and we left off with empathy, yeah. which is a given. We have to be able to. You got to feel. Feel what other people feel in our family, or else we can't relate to them. We can't accept their emotions and their feelings. Right. Right along with this is providing an environment where we can do that. We have to provide an environment in our homes where the lines of communication are always open. Now, the trick with this is that oftentimes parents don't feel comfortable talking about certain things. But when our children need to discuss things or 
be emotionally open with us, Mm -hmm. we have to be open to that. So whether you have to take a class or read a book or just simply, you know, suck it up and 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 deal with it. Deal with it. Right. We've got to be there for that. If we shut them down when they're trying to express emotion or when they come to us with topics we refuse to discuss, whether it's because we don't like it or don't know how to Mm -hmm. do it, we shut them off. Yeah. As soon as we shut off those lines of communication, we create an environment where they will no longer trust coming to us. Well, and they're not going to die. They right. don't die by you shutting them off. Right. They just, you know, they just kind ferment. A little emotionally. Into, yeah, they, they get stinky. Right. <laughs> then they're going to come out. And this, this open communication, this environment also goes back to the teasing, the belittling, mm-hmm. the judging. Name calling. None of that, right? Yeah. There, there are no stupid questions. Right. There are no, you know, stupid situations. We really have to be open to whatever they need to bring to us. If we can do that, they will express their emotion. We want that to happen. That's healthy. It's, yeah. it's not healthy to say hide it, keep it to yourself, yeah. don't talk about it. Yeah, boys don't cry. We, we've got to make the space so safe. They can do whatever they that need to do. That anything goes, right? right? That also means that we don't turn around and tell everyone else. Yeah. It's not a place where they come and they spill their guts and tell us how they feel and then we turn around and say, oh, gosh, our son, you should have seen him. He cried last night. Right. Over. That's not okay. That's not a safe place to be. Yeah, so that's can. that's really key here. Now, another one that gets really tricky that families were kind of all at fault for is Thumper's Rule. Do you know Thumper's Rule? Never met him. Never but, met him. Uh, sounds like a great rabbit. So a great rabbit. What's the rule? Bambi loved him, right? Yeah. If you can't say something oh, nice, yeah. don't say anything at all. Is that Thumper's Rule? It's Thumper's Rule. I thought that was like in the Bible. <laughs> Probably there too. Said maybe, a little maybe different. Thumper read the Bible. <laughs> Who knows? He was a smart rabbit. Yeah. So Thumper's Rule is if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. And in our homes, we often implement this rule. If you can't say something nice, especially amongst our kids, yeah. then don't say anything at all. Now, Thumper had the right idea, but only to a certain extent. The problem with this idea and the problem with this you know, precept is what we do is we teach our children that if they have any emotions that aren't just nice, yeah. they've got Don't to quit. express them. They can't express them. Yeah. They can't talk about them. And that's not life. That's not the real world. Right. That's not the real world. We don't want an environment where that is the case. But see, sometimes we do that and we claim like we're on the moral high ground because we don't, we don't say stuff like that. It, which means we also don't ever deal with stuff like that. Right. And that's telling our children or our spouses, you can't feel that way. Right. And that translates to you're wrong. Right. And so now we start to question our own emotions. You do that in a household of, you know, four to eight people and you've got a lot of trouble. That's right. right? There's, it's just b- boiling. It just gets worse yeah, and worse. it's going to get ugly. It gets worse and worse. Yeah. So we want to kind of throw out Thumper's rule as great as he is. Leave Thumper's it, great. We're leave not, it to the big Thumper, screen. Thumper. Right? Yeah. But we don't want that to govern the way we teach our children emotions. That's not healthy for our families. Another one is we want to hold regular family meetings. And the thought is, okay. Why? That's it. Why? That's where the fights come out. And it's miserable and we have to plan it. And once a week, who wants to do that? And they're all on their phones. (laughs) You don't allow them to bring their phones to family meetings, right? Okay. Put a basket in the middle. Great, drop the, bas- the knives. Phones can in the they basket. bring family knives? <laughs> they can bring knives only if they were given to them by their parents okay. or siblings. Any family, any knife there given in the family. Okay. No phones, but just knives. Yeah. The reason family meetings work so well is because we provide an environment where people can speak up and share emotions. There it's as go. simple as that. Right now, you could discuss schedules. You could discuss what you want for dinner, but you can also discuss, you know, two siblings that are really struggling with one another, or you know, problems I have with a curfew because I'm 16 and I don't feel it's fair. This is where we do that. I like that. The environment is safe. 
There's no judgment and it's consistent and regular. So family members don't have to sit back and think, ooh, could I bring this up today? Yeah. Do I need to wait till next? Yeah. When, when can we discuss this? Instead, it's, you know what? We've got a family meeting this week. I'll bring it up then. Well, so do we, we should we bring it up? Like what if I know my kids have an issue but they may not bring it up? Should I bring it up in the meeting? It probably depends on what that issue is Mm -hmm. and how that's going to affect the rest of the family members. If it's something private and personal to them that doesn't necessarily affect their relationship with their siblings in a sense or is going to put them in such an embarrassing situation that they're going to shut down, you might consider bringing that up in private first and then see where that goes. That's what that Kenneth Barish talked about earlier, Dr. Barish. Um, maybe this would be a good time to apologize. Like, I just want to talk about what happened last night, you know, when I went off on everybody. Right. And see, that's going to affect that the whole family. Yeah. So you're going to bring that up yeah. because that does affect everyone. But if there is a student that has having – or a student. Mm-hmm. If there is a child who's having a very personal problem, Consider, yeah. right? And, and maybe invo- enroll them and see if they want to be a, do that there. Or, right. Yeah. And if they're looking for that outside, because what's going to happen is it's not just going to come from the parents. It's going to come from their siblings. Yeah. We want to know if that's something they're open to, that's if good. it's personal. That's great. But these family meetings are so powerful. It gives us an environment to talk about mm-hmm. our emotions. Yeah. I love that. So we want to do that. Now, oftentimes in families, we have children or even a spouse that struggles to express verbally how they're feeling. So a really great trick is to pull up a chalkboard or a whiteboard and let them write it down. Oh, that's cool. Now, this is really simple, right? And even for a small child, you know, I can think our six-year-old, she could go up to the board and she could write mad. Yeah. Because she's mad. That's right. So if she can't say it and can't say, I'm so mad, or if to say it means a lot of aggression that we're trying to avoid, Mm -hmm. let them write it down and then use those words to then say, okay, you know what? You just told us you're mad. How come? Maybe they still write because she took my doll or because of this or Mm. maybe they turn around and now they feel comfortable talking. I think that's great. But it's kind of a way to engage a child or a a spouse who's not so comfortable speaking up verbally but still needs to get things out. I actually see that with texting. Like sometimes – some people I call them hearers. They just – what they hear feels more real to them than mm. what they see. Right. So um, a hearer doesn't – the idea that we're going to go talk about my feelings and you're going to tell me what your feelings are, that right. might be harder to hear than for me to see it. So sometimes just texting with my wife or texting something with your child can, can just get those emotions going. Sure, and can help. And sometimes we can use these things too as a precursor to let them know that there is something we want to discuss. Because yeah. like you said, no one likes to hear – could we talk? Yeah, can we talk? You mean like sit on a couch two feet away and <laughs> stare at one another while you tell me what you don't like about That's me? That's right, no, yeah. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. And well, we no, could I, cuddle. <laughs> if you want to cuddle, there you go. I'm there. With knives. Let's That's do that. <laughs> knife cuddle. But none of that sounds inviting. No. I don't want to show up at 7 on Thursday to talk to you like no, that. Right, right. So we can sometimes find different ways to express those cool. emotions and communicate. Now, are we suggesting that you only text message and no. never speak up or only? No. Or whiteboard. Or only yeah. whiteboard. No, we're not saying that. But sometimes those are great jump starts yeah, right. to get the words flowing yeah. and get the words coming out. Other things we need to do in families to stay emotionally healthy is we've got to be really creative when we solve our problems. Mm-hmm. Now we kind of think, well, why does this matter? But the fact is we face problems on a daily basis. They could be logistical, like how are we going to get everybody to five things at the exact same time? Or they could be things like finances or sibling disagreements or bullying that a child is dealing with. Families are a great place to come together and acknowledge that there's a problem, logistical or not, 
and then solve the problem together. Heaven forbid we look at our spouse or our kids and say, what would you do in this situation? Yeah. What should we do here? Do you have any advice? Let's work together to come up with a solution for Johnny to this problem at school. And what if they all pipe in and they don't even need you and they solve it? Sure. Then what do you do the rest of your life? (laughs) And oftentimes just by bringing it up and providing again that opportunity to share emotions, the solution naturally naturally comes out. And siblings in particular really are kind of at each other when it comes to emotions and communication. And this is where we can get really creative. For example, you know, instead of sending siblings who are arguing to their room, (laughs) put them on either side of a glass window and make both of them clean that window. Oh, I like that. So you've got two kids and they're not getting along. The first thought is you go to your room and you go to your room and don't talk for an hour. Yeah, what's that helping? That doesn't help our emotions, right? No. So instead, go to the back window that's glass or any window. Put one kid on one side with the Windex, one kid on the other, and make them wash that window face to face. Looking into each other's eyes. Looking into each other's (laughs) eyes. That's creative, right? I know. That's way creative. We're creatively solving family emotional issues. Before you know it, those two kids are laughing. Oh, yeah. And your window's clean when you're done. Well, see, but at my house, the door would be broken you know, <laughs> and someone would be taken to the hospital. <laughs> but I, I love that the creativity, it's the creativity and getting the energy out right. instead of just separating. Right. Give us – we've got about 30 seconds. What would you say is the one thing we have to remember when it comes to these emotions and our families? We have to it, – it comes down to empathy. Always does, doesn't it? It always does. It always does. And you know, if you want to find out if you're empathic and if you're communicating correctly, take a family inventory. Things like, um, I clearly say what I mean. Do I listen attentively? Do I lose my temper? Write down some of those questions and answer them yourself and then give those questions to your family. I love those questions. And have them answer the questions about you. Is there somewhere they can get the family inventory? You know what? I can put one on my website. Yes. And they can go get it. The website, familyvolley.com. I'll put questions up. They can come get them. This is the inventory. They can go sit down. That could be one of the Friday activities. There you go. Absolutely. Take it yourself. Yeah. But then have your family members answer the questions about you. It will open up a lot of communication. It might start a fight. It might. But if we're honest and open with ourselves and see our family members with empathy, it'll be fantastic. Best thing you can do together is to open up those lines. Heather Ann Johnson. You did it again. You did it again. That's good stuff. Amazing. Families are good places to be. Families are the best, aren't they? They are. They're the best. Hey, uh, go check out her website, familyvolley.com. She'll put that inventory up there. Plus, check out her book. you got to buy her book, Family Fun Fridays, soon to be released Family Fun Thursdays uh, and Sundays through Wednesdays. Um, We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to wrap this show up losing it. Maddie is going to teach us how to lose it. Uh, Nobody has lost it more times than our own Maddie Richard. I don't know if that's what she's talking about, but that's what's written here. So when we come back, more with Maddie Richards right after this break. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, bitter tears. We're uh, we're talking with James about the knife, the knives that he gave his girlfriend for her birthday, and all we see are bitter tears. Are you are you mad, James? Bitter tears of joy. But Heather gave a really great idea. Yeah. We don't want to give it away, but it did involve um, a poem and having the poem in, engraved on the knife. <laughs> Roses are red. Kind of. Violets are blue. 
Watch out for your fingers or you'll lose a few. <laughs> Love, Jaime. Kudos for how fast you came up with that. That was incredible. That was... <sighs> I think it's romantic. We should have had some applause. That was darn good. You know how hard it is to do a roses are red, violets are blue poem on the spot. Hey, Maddie Richards is here. And uh, Maddie, um, have you ever had a highly emotional moment? Um, like, I mean, today? Never. Today? Not today. You've been sharing a lot of emotional moments behind the scenes i know but those aren't for those aren't for we won't talk public. about that no but i do she, want you to talk to heather before she leaves oh i will <laughs> i will talk to heather before she goes don't you worry but no i think um we're talking about emotions today so yeah. i compiled a, a list and i want everyone to kind of share you know some highly emotional moments and i as i was reflecting i realized that these moments of high emotion stick in our minds. They, they're some of the memories that we have are usually associated with really intense yeah. emotions. Yeah. My first memories are when I was little, you when I was mad how how or sad, four or five. Wow, okay. So like my one of my first memories is going to a birthday party at my really good friend who lived next door. And she had all of her extended family there, so aunts and uncles. And I didn't know mm-hmm. all of these people. And I didn't really know very many people except for her. And I remember getting so scared that I walked out of the party and walked home. Really? Because I was so scared. And I wow. and I mean, it's not something that I should remember yeah, because no, it's a birthday party. You remember. Don't remember any of the other birthday parties I went to. Don't remember my own Is birthday parties. Is that the parties. first time you hitchhiked? <laughs> no. No, I, I lived next door. So I just I just oh, walked okay. my little cell phone. Okay. But I mean, that's pretty scary for that a four-year-old scary. walking yeah, yeah. home. <laughs> so you'll remember that. That was yeah, a big I moment. Yeah, I remember that. That was a very highly emotional. First time I remember being scared mm. and having that intense of an emotion. Wow. And it's crazy that the things that I've... You'll never forget that. Yeah. The things that I think about from when I'm little and even from when I'm... The moments that stand out to me across my life are when they were highly emotional. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Do you yeah. have one, Heather? Highly emotional. You can share. Yeah. One immediately came to mind, but I don't like it. You want to give it to me? Well, you don't no. Have not to. No, scary. I'll give it to you. Uh, am I going to get sick? No. It, no, neither. Okay. I just feel bad for doing it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when you said highly emotional, I clearly remember being in seventh grade mm-hmm. and there was a boy who liked me and wouldn't leave me alone ever. Like he followed me and sat. It, Stalker. Yes. It was to that point. And I remember I got to a point where my emotions were so high. I walked straight up to him in PE class and I yelled at him to never, ever, ever talk to me or follow me again and then walked away. Wow. Wow. And that is so out of character for me. I and mean, even if you asked my family or my You're husband, tough. it would be like, yeah. really? it just. But it got on you. I don't handle things that way. But the emotion, it was too much. Too much. It was exactly, just too much. Yeah. Wow. And you remember that. You're so never going to forget that. And you know, there's a lot of things I don't remember about seventh grade, but mm-hmm. I clearly remember. Yeah, that. that's what clearly. I was, as I was thinking back. All the things I remember from I, when I'm younger are uh, tied to those. Intense did he? Did he? Had this kid given you a knife set? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I can still see the look on his face when I said it. And can you, you destroyed him. I I would apologize if I could find him. I absolutely oh, would. So he's no longer around. I have no clue. He no, flew the coop. He stopped talking to you. For he sure. did. He did stop talking to me. That I that outcome was what I was looking That's for. Sad. Um, I remember uh, when I was a member of the Lions. The Lions uh, Club. Little League baseball oh. team. Peewee. Yellow jerseys. And I had a yellow hat. And um, I was riding my bike before the Lions game. And I was mesmerized at how my feet were spinning below me. And I was watching them. A lot of people, when they ride the bike, they watch the road. <laughs> <laughs> I Matt. was watching my feet. Not Matt. And um, 
I, by the way, I was a darling kid. I'm, we're sure. Before this accident. <laughs> and I ran right into the back of a Jeep. <gasps> oh, wow. Oh, gosh. And planted it and then face planted it right into this yeah. Jeep. And I remember I had blood on my yellow Lions jersey. And you were scared. And I was a big scab on my face. Oh. And I, my, I don't remember. I don't remember much after that. <laughs> but I do remember I watched and I watched, uh, what's it called? Uh, Sonny and Cher hmm. and the um, Donnie and Marie show. You're dating yourself a little. Yeah. That's okay. Mm-hmm. On, yeah, on TiVo. <laughs> <laughs> on no, Netflix. This happened last year. And I, and I remember just sitting there depressed and sad because I couldn't go to my game for like two weeks or three wow. weeks. Because I had scabs all over my body. Oh, wow. Sad. It was That's tragic. too bad. Poor little Matt. And um, no one came to visit. <laughs> <laughs> These are all such sad stories. No, yeah. Any, we, need a, we need a happy emotionally charged. Does anybody have a story that's happy where they had an emotional experience where they didn't get knives? <laughs> James, I, or one, scabs. James? No, James, you've got one. Or yelled but tell a pot, tell, just tell Just tell about the cake you made. The cake I made? Well, that's not necessarily. No, but that was really positive. cute. That was really positive. It was. Really it was a nice attempt. Okay. Well, <laughs> along with the knives, because you're such a romantic guy, you also made her a birthday cake. Yeah. Well, it was supposed to be a, a fruit oh, crumble, but you only crumb got cake. thirty seconds. Okay, thirty seconds. Well, we tried to make the cake, and uh, we tried to substitute almond flour yeah. as opposed to wheat flour, yeah. and uh, it doesn't substitute very well. Not a good substitute. So it it turned out to be more kind of this bubbling, boiling goo. lava cake. Yeah. Yeah, and so we, and then to add on top of that, we we didn't wait for it to cool down. We no. tried putting the candles in, and so they melted. They <laughs> melted. Yeah. So and so that made you feel what emotion? Happy joy, joy. And when you looked, joy. In, when you looked in Molly's eyes, and she pulled out her knife to cut the cake, <laughs> what did you say? What did you What did you feel? Isn't this great? That's what I said. That was did you feel thing. love? Yeah. Yeah. Love. I was like, this is a bonding experience. Again, the gleam of the light, the light on the blade, and then you started cutting the lava cake. Well, yeah, I, I do admit I kind of took a step back when the gleam <laughs> yeah. of the, the knife showing over my face and there's the cake next to me. <sighs> it's romantic. See, emotions are powerful. They are powerful. <laughs> whether it's giving someone a knife, whether it's making them a lava cake that burns their throat, whatever it is, whether it's yelling at somebody I or know. just running into a Jeep. The motions, they're never going away. Uh, folks, thanks for listening to the show. That sounded depressing, but it really doesn't need to be. Swedish proverb for you. Love me when I least deserve it, because that is when I really need it. That's cool. Hey, tomorrow on the show, if you want a happy family, we will be revealing the secrets to having a happy family. So you got to be here. And uh, we're not going to give you the secrets without earning them. Join us tomorrow, folks. Thanks for being with us today. Again, so love being with you, helping you find the good in the world. We'll be back tomorrow. More fun right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.